we're going to try to uh, plow through Revelation 17 and 18 tonight. Very, very interesting, very, very important chapters in the book of Revelation, and they will bring us right up to the second coming of Christ, which we're going to see next Friday night. He could be here then. He could be here then. You know what? He can't come too Amen. soon. Amen. I pray for his return every day. Because as I look at the way our country's going and I look at the way that history is going, uh, I, I long to see the, the coming of Christ. All right, so let's uh, open to Revelation 17. And if you would just join me in a word of prayer, I think most of you have your notes. Uh, we'll be starting on page 65. So let's uh, pray for his wisdom, guidance, and direction, and then we'll launch into it. Our gracious Heavenly Father, how thankful we are for the fact that in a world of deception, uh, in a world where even finding out what the truth is, is so difficult, we have the truth before us in your word. You don't answer every question that we have. You don't necessarily explain everything that is going on around us. What you do is, through your word, you give us what we need to know to sustain us regardless of the changing circumstances around us. Time changes, the world changes, people change, but you change not, and your word remains true forever. So as we open your word tonight, we pray that God the Holy Spirit would enlighten us, open our minds, soften our hearts, Give us ears to hear and let the truths that we're about to study drive deep into our souls and make a difference in the way we live. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pause for a shot of coffee. Station identification. Huh? Station identification. You're going to pause for station identification. Space. <laughs> yes. Refreshment. <clears throat> In Revelation 17 and 18, we have the destruction of Babylon. In order for us to understand what John is talking about here, and his readers would have been very familiar with what I'm about to share with you. If you go back into the Old Testament, very early in human history, you have the rise of a character by the name of Nimrod. And Nimrod became a mighty hunter before the Lord. A lot of discussion and debate on what exactly that means. Uh, some people translate that phrase, he became a hunter of men's souls before the Lord. He was a very, very evil person. We're not given a lot of information on him in scripture, except that the beginning of his kingdom was Nineveh and Babylon. <clears throat> we know from history more than what we're actually given in Genesis 10. Uh, we know that Nimrod and his wife Semiramis began a world religion. Not only did they try to build the Tower of Babel to keep everyone together so that he could have total control over them, but they came up with a religious system. The religious system promoted the idea that Semiramis had a virgin-born son uh, 
and his name was Tammuz. And you have uh, references that you can look at in your notes. Uh, Tammuz is mentioned in some of the prophets, I believe Isaiah and Ezekiel. Uh, but the, the basic religion was a mother-child religion. Semiramis was called the virgin mother. Tammuz was called the uh, only begotten son. And the idea was that Tammuz was born of a virgin, that he was slain, and that he was resurrected. Now, this goes back in ancient history. I don't have time to take you into all. You can go into Cambridge ancient history if you like. You can go into Josephus if you like. You can get all this information. Uh, if you want to delve into this, I would recommend that you get a book called The Two Babylons by Alexander Hislop. The Two Babylons, very interesting uh, book. And it gives you all this historical background. The reason I'm bringing all this out is because very early on in human history, Satan's plot against the plan of God was brought out into the open through Babylon. Babylon became the first worldwide system, not just individuals in rebellion like Cain, but the first worldwide system rebelling against the plan of God. You remember there in Genesis chapter 11 when they were going to build the Tower of Babel, there were three things that came together. Number one, we want to build a tower that will reach to heaven. The idea we're going to get to heaven through our own efforts. Uh, number two, we're going to make a name for ourselves. So there's the idea of we're going to be something great and special uh, in history. Uh, and number three, it was in direct disobedience to the command of God after the ark landed that they were to spread out and inhabit and fill the earth. <clears throat> All the way down through history, Egypt, Assyria, Babylonia, Medo-Persia, Rome, there were elements of this political, economic, religious system that continued to run through them all. The same elements we see today in the United Nations, we see the same elements in the WEF, we see the same elements in the World Health Organization. A lot of these ideas continue to percolate through all of these systems. But the idea is we're going to have a heaven without a Christ. We're going to do it through our efforts, not God's way. We are going to do it as we are not recognizing the need to be born again. So what John's writing about, and remember while he's writing, what is the world power? The world power is Rome. Rome is the fourth of the great powers that were seen by Daniel. Uh, but of course, Daniel didn't deal with Egypt and Assyria because they were already passed. So you have Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. John is writing under the Roman Empire. At the time that he wrote, Rome was seen as Babylon. In fact, you'll remember at the end of 2 Peter, uh, Peter says, she who is in Babylon greets you. Now, there are those who say that he was actually in historical Babylon. Uh, most 
expositors and commentators believe that he was in Rome and he was using Babylon as code. She who is in Babylon, in other words, the church that is in Rome, greets you. That's the way that it's often taken. However, John is telling us that there's something coming that is more dark and more destructive and more sinister than any Babylon has ever been. It's the end time world system. And I believe that if you spend a little bit of time thinking about what he says here in Romans 7, or in Revelation 17 and 18, you will see that we are living in the groundwork of this very system. So let's jump into it. Uh, and again, I want to emphasize this Babylonish system is political, religious, and economic. The three are tied together. All right, let's take uh, verse one and two. Then one of the seven angels came and talked with me saying, come and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Now we're gonna find out in verse 15 that those many waters means many nations, many people. In other words, she is riding on the backs of many people with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. When, <clears throat> when uh, John speaks here about fornication, he is talking about both spiritual and physical. Uh, you might remember in Revelation chapter two, uh, the rebuke in one of the messages to the churches was you tolerate there that woman Jezebel who teaches my servants to commit fornication. Well, the idea of fornication really encompasses a vast area of uncleanness. It's, <clears throat> it obviously speaks of immorality, but much more than that. It's the roots of the immorality. And the roots of the immorality are a betrayal of God, a rejection of God. You'll remember in James, James even rebukes the people he's writing to. These are believers. And he calls them adulteresses. And the reason that they were adulteresses is because they had forsaken their first love. They had turned their back on the Lord for the sake of financial gain. Everywhere we see it, both in scripture and in history, where there is idolatry, and idolatry of course is spiritual fornication, there will be sexual immorality. They always go together. You can go anywhere in the world today. We have been a lot of different places and where you see idolatry in whatever form it comes, there will always be some form of sexual perversion. And the reason for that is because you can't turn your back on the purity of God and stay pure in your life. It's impossible. <clears throat> uh, you have there in your notes the Revelation 2, 20 to 23 reference uh, to uh, Jezebel. So John is now being ushered by this angel into a new vision where he is going to see the end time Babylon. Let's uh, go from verse three. I'm gonna read all the way to verse 12. That's the section that you have in your notes and then we'll amplify. 
The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. As we go through these chapters, you'll see more what is meant by abominations and filthiness. On her forehead, a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. This, of course, speaking about the fact that Babylon and the Babylonish religion became the mother of all false religious systems throughout history. John says in verse 6, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs. Isn't it interesting that it's always religion that slaughters Christians? I don't know if you've heard, uh, our pastor friend from Pakistan just went back to Pakistan a few days ago. On the day he landed, tremendous persecution broke out in Pakistan. Churches, pastors' homes, Christians' homes were burned. The people were scattered. Some of the people were scattered in the fields and the forest, just trying to find, you know, parents trying to find their children and so on and so forth. Uh, this comes at the same time that there's ongoing persecution in Manipur in India where hundreds and hundreds of Christians have been driven from their homes. What's it being done by? In Pakistan, by religion. In India, by religion. Not the same religion, but it doesn't matter because they're all united in their hatred of Christ. So she has the blood of the martyrs on her hands. Verse seven, the angel said to me, why did you marvel? It's almost like the angel saying, you know, you should have known this. Why would this surprise you? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the 10 horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of, of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. Uh, remember that Antichrist we saw earlier in the 13th chapter three times it stressed he is going to have a deadly wound, a mortal wound that he is going to recover from. Possibly an assassination attempt or whatever, we don't know, but he is going to fake a resurrection. So the man Antichrist is going to be indwelt by this being from the bottomless pit. <clears throat> he will go into perdition, and those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. Probably the best question that you could ask yourself, or that anyone listening to this lesson could ask themselves, is your name in the book? Is your name in the book? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you trust in nothing but his sacrifice, your name is in the book. If you're relying on anything else, good works, sacrifice, giving up, whatever, you are not trusting fully in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You know, in the end, it's, it's kind of like I said about the Titanic a while back. On the Titanic, there were rich and poor. There were elites, they were the dregs of society. There were the polished and there were the unwashed. But you know what? When the ship went down, there were only two kinds of people. 
those that were saved and those that were lost. And that's the ultimate question when we come to the end of life and the end of history. Verse 9 says, Here is the mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Pretty easy to figure that one out. <clears throat> Verse 10, There are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, the other is yet to come. I've already run through this. Egypt, Assyria, Babylonia, Medo-Persia, Greece, five have fallen. One is, that's, of course, Rome. One is yet to come. That's what we generally refer to as the revived Roman Empire. <clears throat> the beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. The ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. All right, so very quickly, kind of working through your notes, and I'm only going to hit the highlights. We have five basic symbols here, right there at the bottom of page 65, beginning with the harlot. The harlot wears the colors of royalty and sacrifice. Stop and think about that. If you're going to select colors to dress yourself in, what will you dress yourself in? The colors of royalty and the colors of sacrifice, basically claiming the colors of Christ. Gold, precious stones, and pearls. Isn't it interesting that when the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven in Revelation 21, it comes down with gold, precious stones, and pearls. Satan is a counterfeiter. The satanic system is always a counterfeit. And of course, I mentioned in your notes there that this goes back to Nimrod and the Babylonish mysteries, which I've tried to explain. Uh, you can see references to the Queen of Heaven, which was one of the titles for Semiramis, and her so-called virgin-born son named Tammuz in Ezekiel 8.14, Jeremiah 7.18, Jeremiah 44, 17 to 25. Aren't you glad I do all your homework for you? But there's one thing I won't do, and that is read it for you. You have to go back and you have to look these over. Remember, of course, that Babel means confusion. Babel later becomes Babylon. In Revelation uh, 1718, we're told that the woman is also a great city. So we're dealing not just with a system, but we're dealing with the seat of its power. And we take that based on the statements John makes to be the city of Rome. Uh, the city of Rome has been involved in uh, things too horrible to mention when it talks about the filthiness of her fornication um, the city of Rome has been involved in all of it, including, by the way, something that's becoming uh, a little bit more publicly known and talked about, and that is child trafficking. Um, child trafficking, there are three centers in the world that probably are more deeply involved in child trafficking than anywhere else in the world, and that is Rome, London, and Washington, D.C., Many, many years ago, I worked as a reserve deputy with our sheriff's department, and I got involved in the study of, uh, well, it's a long story. 
our church was doing battle with the cult of Satanists. And so I got involved in the study of uh, the activities of the Satanists. And I began to find out that the child trafficking and the uh, pornographic films, which pornography really doesn't even encompass how horrible they were, the number one place where those were being bought in the world was in Washington, D.C. Now, if that doesn't shock you, I'll tell you something that may shock you even more. I have heard from hotel owners that whenever there is a Bible conference and those hotels are filled up with pastors, the amount of pornography being watched on the televisions in the rooms skyrockets. That's unfortunately the world that we live in. So we have the woman and then we have the beast. The beast, of course, we have already seen in Revelation 13 and we know this to be Antichrist. His color is scarlet. Um, this links him, of course, with the great fiery red dragon in Revelation 12 and verse 3. And we know that Antichrist, who is a man, is going to be indwelt by a super demon out of the abyss, a demon by the name of Apollyon the destroyer, the son of destruction. The seven heads, as I've already mentioned, seven world empires, you have them all written out. If you couldn't remember them when I said Egypt, Assyria, Babylonia, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and revive Rome, they're right there in your notes. The one that is yet to come refers to the revived Roman Empire. Ten horns in verses 12 and 13 are going to be ten confederate nations they're with us today. Uh, they are going to give their power to the beast. What they don't realize is they're going to cede their power to him, and then ultimately he's going to take them over. He's going to dominate them. If you go back, uh, you might want to jot down a couple of references. Everything in Revelation links with the book of Daniel. You'll remember in Daniel when Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of a great image, the head of gold, the chest of silver, uh, the waist of bronze, and the legs of iron. What were the feet? Clay and, uh, Clay and iron mixed. Jot this down. Daniel 2.43, a very cryptic statement. They will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another. They will mingle with the seed of men. In my mind, it takes me right back to Genesis 6. Uh, we are going to have another attempt of fallen angels to mingle with humanity, but it's not going to last. Also, Daniel 7, 8. These are not in your notes. And Daniel 8, 9 through 12. Daniel talks about a little horn the little horn that comes up that casts truth to the ground. That little horn is the beast that we're reading about here. And then finally, we have the waters. And in Revelation 17 and verse 15, let's just read on there. Verse 12, the 10 horns that you saw are 10 kings who have received no kingdom as yet. They receive authority for an hour. An hour is a way of saying a brief time. 
doesn't mean exactly one hour. Uh, there are times when it does mean an hour, and it's important for us to distinguish that. Verse 13, these are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings, and those who are with him, that's you and I, are called, chosen, and faithful. Then verse 15, Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes, nations and tongues. I love it when Revelation interprets itself because it makes it very easy for us. All right, so we're going to see now the harlot's judgment. And when I finish chapter 17, I'm going to stop and just see if you have any questions before we, we can actually go through chapter 18 pretty rapidly. So picking up in verse 16, the 10 horns that you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot and make her desolate and naked and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind, to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns, notice present tense, over the kings of the earth. Rome, of course, was reigning at the time John is writing. So basically what we have here is if we look at the tribulation period, remember that the tribulation is inaugurated with the rapture of the church. As soon as the church is raptured, again, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, stop and think about this. For a brief time, there will be nothing but unbelievers on the earth. Not a believer on the earth. Very brief time. Then we have in Revelation 7, the sealing of the 144,000. They go out and begin to evangelize the world. The latter part of chapter 7 tells us that they have phenomenal success and win multitudes to a saving knowledge of Christ. But our basic outline, and we get this from Matthew 24, Jesus gives us the outline. The outline is, we refer to the first half as tribulation, and the last half as great tribulation. What happens in the middle? Matthew 24, 15, the abomination of desolation. That's when Antichrist walks into the temple and proclaims himself to be God. It appears that somewhere here, right before that takes place, we are going to have the great harlot destroyed by the beast. In other words, she is riding the beast. They are working together. They are synchronized in purpose up to a point, but there's going to come a point when the beast can no longer tolerate to have her around, for the simple reason that he can't stand any rival to people worshiping him. Every rival has to be destroyed. And so having served her purpose, and stop and think about this, the beast represents the political side of things. The woman represents the religious side of things. Isn't it interesting how politics can use religion to get people to do what they want them to do? It's been done over and over and over again. How was it possible 
in 1930s and early 40s Germany that churches that believe what you and I believe, that sang the songs that we sing, could stand by, mute, and not lift a finger as millions were taken to the ovens. One of the ways was that Hitler, the political guy, a forerunner of Antichrist, used the church, obviously the apostate arm of it, but quoting the writings of Martin Luther, because Martin Luther was rabidly anti-Semitic. Don't misunderstand. I honor the man. We all have our flaws. We all have our blind spots. He had a lot of tremendous insight into the word of God, but he was blind in this area, and his writings were used by Hitler to say to the churches, look, are you not Lutheran churches? Is Luther not the guy that you are founded on? This is what Luther said. I am doing this in accordance with his teaching. And so the religious side was used to sway the people for the control of the political side. So this is exactly what we have. And so the woman will say RB for religious Babylon goes up in smoke. Then later, we're going to have PB, political Babylon, destroyed by the second coming of Christ, and we'll see that in chapter 18. Does that make sense? All right, let me just look real quick and you see if... You don't need it? Oh, I mean, kind of I do, but... <clears throat> You go on. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot to take in. Yes, it is. <laughs> so we've come to the point where the city and the religious system is destroyed. As a matter of fact, the descriptions that we're going to see uh, actually fit with descriptions that we find in Jeremiah 50 uh, and following, uh, burned with fire forever. Isn't it interesting that both Peter and Jude talk about Sodom and Gomorrah being an example of everlasting fire? You know, it would be a horrible thing to be burned in fire and brimstone as a human being, but that's nothing compared to the flames of hell forever. Right? Okay, I'm going to stop, see if anybody has any questions. I know it's a lot to take in. Um, study your notes, obviously. Uh, study the scriptures. I was just going to ask, Gene, the arrows, is that the rapture? That's the rapture. Or the second coming? That's the rapture. Second coming's at the end. Okay. All right. So the um, religious part that's taking place there in that first... Yeah. 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 That's the, also the time of the 144,000 being there and teaching. Yes. They'll be evangelizing through the entire time. Remember that there are four great waves of evangelism. As bad as the tribulation is, it'll be the greatest time of people turning to Christ in the history of the world. I don't know if you've thought about this. There are 8 billion people on the planet right now. What that means in practical terms and from a mission 
concept or evangelistic perspective is that over half of the people who have lived from the time of Christ till today are alive right now. Try to wrap your mind around that. More than half the people who have lived. What an opportunity for evangelism. And is that why they're trying to depopulate the... the oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, by the way, it's working pretty well. Uh, people are not being told uh, the millions of people that are dying around the world because of things that were done. Um, <clears throat> okay, so there we have it. We ready to go on into chapter 18. It, just one, it's not much of a question, but it's interesting you brought, you brought up the Nazis and all of that. I had a curiosity because we hear in our history books and media that, you know, Nazis and Hitler, evil, 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 like, ooh, big boogeyman, and they, rightfully so. But that made me curious as to figure out what really were they saying. So I started to read the first half of Mein Kampf. I couldn't, it's huge. But when you start actually reading it, they actually honestly believed they had a moral and righteous cause. Oh, yeah. Like you were alluding to. Absolutely. And you read him, you're like, really, he's not an evil boogeyman. He actually has reasonable arguments. Yeah. They're, they're lies. Well, the true. most dangerous people, as Jude reveals to us, are always those that seem good and reasonable yeah. and and a good Catholic sound. was going to fall in line. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we see that happening yeah. today. That's that's exactly and, uh, what's going to happen. It was amazing. Well, so, my understanding that the Pope at that time knew all that was taking place and he hid it because America was stepped in sooner if he hadn't at that point yet. Yeah, well... Unfortunately, America's role, you know, I, I love and honor our servicemen, but too often they serve political purposes that are evil. They knew, for example, well, we're getting off track. Yeah, we're getting off track. But I was talking about the Christian part of it. Let me just say that Pearl Harbor was not a surprise. Yeah. It was all orchestrated. Yeah. But aside from that, Getting back to the tribulation, remember that there are going to be four waves of evangelism that are going to take the gospel around the world. We, the church has been here for 2,000 years. We still have not reached every corner of the world. They're going to do it in seven years. So the four waves of evangelism, if you want to write them down, the first wave, 144,000. The second wave will be their converts. We see them at the end of Revelation chapter 7. The third wave, the two witnesses, Revelation 11. The fourth wave we're about to get to, uh, and that is an angel. Can you imagine an angel flying around the world proclaiming the everlasting gospel so that people can hear it, and people are going to look up after all that they've been through and see this angel saying you have one last chance to escape hell and they're going to go, no, nah, I don't think so. But that's how hard people's hearts are going to be. Okay.
very quickly. Our time's almost gone, but we're going to do it. We can extend it. We're, we're going to do it. <laughs> Let's look at the announcement of doom in chapter 18, 1 through 3. After these things, I saw an other angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. The earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. I just want to call your attention to nations, kings, and merchants. These are the people that were feeding off of this economic system, if you will. And so God gives an invitation in verse 4. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. By the way, Zerubbabel and uh, Ezra and Nehemiah represent in their time the coming out of Babylon. Come out of her, my people. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you. Repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed. Mix double for her. In other words, there's going to be double judgment. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure, give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow, and I will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Now, <clears throat> I just want to quickly mention one thing, and there's a, a difference of opinion on this. Some see the destruction of the religious system, chapter 17, and the destruction that's going on here in 18 as being the same thing. And that's certainly a possibility. It may be talking about the same destruction. However, we know one thing. When the religious system is destroyed and Antichrist proclaims himself to be God, the political system is still waiting to be destroyed. By the way, it's very interesting. Klaus Schwab made a statement. I saw the quote today. The world has, uh, the inhabitants of the world have two choices, submit to us or die. George Soros, one of his cohorts, said that he is a god. So this is how deluded people can get. And they think they're going to pull this off and what is awaiting them is what we're reading about here. Or just puppets. Yeah, to the degree that they indulge themselves, to the degree that they enrich themselves, to the degree that they caused harm and pain and sorrow and suffering, pour double in the cup for them. That's what's coming. And by the way, I'm not totally convinced that we may not see a preview of that even before the rapture of the church. 
God, and I pray this every day, that God will lift up his mighty hand and demonstrate to the world before this terrible time begins that there is only one God and there is no other. And you might join me in that prayer because I know that he is able and I know that the world is deceived and I know that awful, awful judgments are about to fall on the earth and it is a tendency of God that we see through scripture that before he judges, he shows mercy. So my prayer is, let there be a mighty display of your power so that men have no excuse. All right, so um, let's move on. If we don't have any questions there and see if we can wrap this up. Verse nine, the kings of the earth that committed fornication and lived luxuriously. Really, basically, what are we talking about fornication? It's self-gratification in every single area of life. Lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And I take this one hour here to be a literal hour. In the space of an hour, that city is going to be destroyed. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her for no one buys their merchandise. Now, notice they're not crying because of the souls that are lost. They're not crying because of the lives that have been destroyed. By the way, you want a preview? Maui. There's a lot that's not adding up about Maui. Interestingly, the fire swept through the homes of all the common people, but all the rich palaces and, and estates somehow got missed. And somehow the guy who was supposed to set off the alarm that would tell people to evacuate didn't do it. And somehow the water supply was shut down because they didn't want people using too much water. I mean, all of this is not adding up. What kind of person by the way, there are still 2,000 at least missing. I've seen pictures of burned people that are just like a cinder, all curled up, dogs burned. What kind of a human being could you be and be willing to do something like that? And now you know what the uh, governing authorities over there are saying? We're going to build back, better. ready, better. But how's it going to be better? We are going to be the first place in the world that is totally AI controlled. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? They're starting to ban all that on Facebook too. Yeah. What kind of a human being could you be to be willing to inflict that kind of misery and suffering and death on a multitude of people. Well, it's just a scrape in the bucket, if you will, a drop in the bucket to what we're seeing here. 
So they're standing at a distance, crying over the city. Verse 11, the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise. It's all about money. By the way, have you heard about this Appalachian hillbilly? Yes. And his song about the rich men north of Richmond? Uh -huh. Did you know that that's now the number one song in the world? Yeah. In the world. Did you know that they have approached this guy with offers of $8 million contracts and he's turned them down? He said, they think I'm just like them. They think that I'll sell my soul just like they sell their souls. How amazing is it? And, and what did he do? All he did was put words and, and words to music of what so many people are feeling. And they listen. That's the thing. That's why they want. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, how interesting. Verse 12, we see the merchandise, merchandise of gold and silver. Now I want you to think about this because you mentioned the most important first. Okay, we've got a list of valuables. We're going to mention the most valuable first, the least valuable last. You ready? Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of the most precious wood, bronze, iron, marble. Notice we're working our way down in the value scale. Cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots. What's last? The bodies and the souls of men. Do you know what that statement right there is all about? The, the human trafficking that's going on in the world right now, which is rampant. It is absolutely rampant. Souls and bodies of men, well, that's on the low end of the scale. Notice verse 14, the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you and all the things that are rich and splendid have gone from you and you will find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls for in one hour, emphasize that again, such great riches came to nothing. And every shipmaster and all who travel by ship and sailors, as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out. This literally, you're going to have ships standing on the sea looking at the city burning. And they're going to know that it is going up and it'll never come back. This could be a nuclear strike. The kings burn the city with fire, so nuclear strike would make sense to me. When they saw the smoke of the burning, they threw dust on their heads, verse 19, and cried out, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, the great city in which all who had ships in the sea became rich by her wealth. In one hour, third time this is mentioned, she is made desolate. What does God say? Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. She is guilty of the blood of all the saints that have ever been persecuted. And therefore, heaven 
rejoices. We've seen this before in the book of Revelation. Whenever earth weeps, heaven rejoices. Heaven is rejoicing because justice has come. And I wrote in my notes out to the side, justice is coming and it's going to be biblical. There will be a day of justice. May not be in our lifetime, but we will see it. There is going to be justice for all of the evil and all of the harm and all of the tears uh, that have been cried. Uh, you look at Ukraine. How big is Ukraine? Roughly the size of Texas. Do you know how many people have died in this Ukraine war? Just on Ukraine's side. Estimates, 300,000. In 10 years of Vietnam, we lost 50,000. This war has been going on a year and a half. They're now grabbing boys and old men off the street and forcing them to go to the front lines. 300,000 souls. Do you know how many soldiers there are missing arms, legs, and eyes in hospitals in Ukraine? Two million. Two million. And I would suggest to you the only reason that this war is going on is to enrich certain people. Billions. I can't even add up. In a year and a half, by the way, we have gone in the hole as a nation. Since this war began, we have gone in the hole five trillion. Say, so five trillion. What's a trillion here and a trillion there? Do you know how far back you would have to go if you took a trillion seconds? A trillion seconds ago, where would you be in history? What do you think? Somebody throw out an idea. 1900? Huh? 1900. 1900. A trillion seconds ago was 30,000 BC. Yeah. That's a trillion seconds. We've lost five trillion dollars out of the wealth of this nation. There's no way we can come back from this. The money that has been funneled in there and the arms that have been funneled in there are now being sold on the arms markets of the world. So it, it wasn't helping them fight the war. Anyway, I could go on and on. It just, it's, it's just the overwhelming evil of the time in which we live. All right? Let's wrap this up. Verse 20, uh, 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone. What was it Jesus said? Those who mistreat one of these little ones be like having a millstone tied around their neck. The mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of the harpists, musicians, flutists, trumpeters. By the way, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. There's nothing wrong with entertainment. There's nothing wrong with music. There's nothing wrong with art, except when it's perverted. And in every department of these things that are being mentioned in our world today, 
it is being perverted. Sound of trumpeters will not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. The sound of a millstone, that means the grinding of grain for bread, shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride will not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. We hear a lot of talk today about elites. These are the elites. These are the people who have more money than they will ever be able to spend the rest of their life, and they're still not content. They've got to have more. Your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all of the nations were deceived. <coughs> Does anyone remember <clears throat> what the Greek word for sorcery is? Pharmakia. Pharmakia means drug abuse, drug abuse. And that can include not only what we call illegal drugs, it can include what we refer to as legal drugs. By your sorcery. In other words, I, I don't know if this strikes you, and I watch very little television, but if you turn the television on and there's an ad that comes on, what is it? Drugs. And all the side effects. And every drug has side effects. And I know people who take 20 different drugs a day. I go to the doctor and they say, how many drugs do you take? I say, nothing. You don't have any drugs that are prescribed to you? No, I don't take anything. None at all. I mean, it's like they can't believe it. Because they want a, a litany of the 10, 15, 20 drugs that you take. But what we don't realize is, not only do all of these drugs have side effects, physical side effects, they also have monstrous spiritual and moral side effects. Why do I say that? Because who's getting the money? The drug companies are getting the money. What are the drug companies doing with the money? Well, guess what? They're involved in all the things we've been talking about. I have to be careful. I hope you realize there are people being arrested today for saying things like what I'm saying to you. We're living in a very perilous time. But I try to be as forthright and honest as I can be because I need to tell you the truth but the things that are being done with the money that is being made by the pharmaceutical companies is absolutely horrendous. The experiments that have been done on primitive peoples around the world where they're hidden away and no one can see and it's never reported, we know because we go there and they come in and say, we're going to vaccinate you all against malaria. And everybody gets vaccinated, and then all of a sudden, none of the women are having children. It is horrendous, the evil that has been done. Well, where do we leave off? Verse 24, here it is. In her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and of all 
who were slain. Think about this. All who were slain on the earth. People being killed by the drug abuse. People being killed by endless wars over nothing. Actually over wealth, over money, over greed. We fought 17 years in Afghanistan. Our son was there. He lost two of his best friends. And what was it all for? 17 years later, we pulled out and made them the seventh most powerful army military in the world. And then you know what we've done? I'll bet some of you have not heard about this. We have poured billions of dollars into the Taliban. Those guys that we were fighting that killed our sons and daughters, we're now paying them. And they're getting rich. Billions. Meanwhile, they're training, well, <laughs> stand by. Let's close in prayer, and I'll tell you one more little thing. Father, we're thankful for your grace. Uh, even though passages like this are gut-wrenching and heartbreaking and confronting. Father, we need to see the world in all its evil so that we can see that your judgment is just. To see that you are righteous, that you are holy, that you are faithful, and that you one day will vindicate your servants who have preached the word who have been imprisoned, who have been tortured, who have been killed because of their faithfulness to your word. One day, they are going to be vindicated. And we thank you for that. We long for that day. Even so, come Lord Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen.